0: Well, hi, and welcome to the Smart Building Series, and this, which is our second free webinar in 2018. And today we are talking about artificial intelligence in the boiler room. Um, and first, I just want to say a big thank you to uh, our sponsor, Project Haystack. They are an open source initiative uh, who are streamlining uh, working with data from the Internet of Things. Uh, It's a really interesting uh, project and I recommend that everybody go and take a look at what they're doing and get involved if you can. Um, So you need to go to project haystackorg for that. And obviously, uh, we uh, record all our webinars. So if you want to listen again to this or you want to share it with any of your colleagues, then it's going to be posted on SoundCloud. Uh, We can also be downloaded as a podcast from iTunes. And also on YouTube. So just simply search on any, any of those for Smart Building Series, and you'll be able to find us. Uh, and last thing, of course, questions. If um, if you guys have any questions, then please type them in. Um, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Shri Davis Cigar Money from CEO uh, uh, IntelliHop. Hi Shri, how are you doing?
1: Hi, good, very good. Thank you.
0: Great! Very
1: happy um, to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, and it's going to be a good talk. I'm listening. I'm looking forward to it. So the way we're going to do this is uh, Shri is going to um, is going to give us a presentation about what he's been working on, uh, and uh, some some really insightful slides. And then after that, uh, we're going to take um, some some Q and A, some uh, some questions from you guys. So please, if you do have questions, uh, the way that we we do this, if you can type them in, I'll get the questions here, and then we can. We can uh, put them to Shri. Uh, so, yeah, Shri, please uh, tell us about yourself and and um,
1: Absolutely. Th- thank you. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Shridar Davis Agamani. Quite a long name. Uh, you can call me Shri for short. I am dialing in from Peoria, Illinois, which is about three hours southwest of Chicago, and it's about one degree centigrade and 34 F. Uh, we call it a nice sunny, balmy day here in <laughs> central Illinois. Uh, my background I'm a mechanical slash mechatronics engineer by, by by trade. And I, I relocated to Peoria. This used to be the world headquarters for Caterpillar. I uh, worked on diesel engines, autonomous machines, uh, lots of robotic stuff. And many years ago, a water heater broke and flooded my house. And what was a short weekend project, turned into a company today, and what we do here is we turn simple things like water heaters and boilers and other devices into smart devices. So today we build on-demand water heaters for the commercial industry. We also build other devices that can go into your boiler room, which, as you will see today, can connect to your existing water heater or boiler. Or your rooftop unit or maybe a furnace and instantly turn those devices into uh, a device uh, that is very meaningful and gives you data and keeps you and your customer happy so that's what we're going to talk here uh, I am uh, excited to share some thoughts and ideas with you and I'm looking forward to taking uh, taking your questions as well so with that we will start The topic today, as I mentioned, is AI. And there's a lot of definition around AI, and we'll talk more about that further down. Now, this picture here might be pretty dated, but I'm sure many of you recognize HAL 9000. It's from Space Odyssey. And if you see any of the trends that are going on, things are getting more automated. So we do expect, sometime in the future, that you know, a bunch of robots might be in your mechanical room, and they might even make uh, some phone calls for you. So here's our objective. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time, and thought we'll we'll have uh, we'll have a little bit of fun uh, trying to learn about and sharing ideas on uh, machine learning and automation. So we'll talk about terms like M2M API, uh, MQTT. And obviously, you know, uh, I saw some recent studies on how addictive the cell phones are. So one of the objectives will be try not to hit refresh on your iPhone. So let's see how that happens. So the the real objectives today really are, you know, what are the safety and monetary risks imposed by boiler rooms? Uh, Everybody is familiar with boiler rooms, uh, which hosts, uh, you know, all the mechanical equipment. Can we use AI or machine learning to cut our operating costs? And then, you know, the, the biggest thing is how do you prevent costly downtime? So, if you are in the business of managing uh, energy for your building, you know, the three questions you ask are is, is everything okay? Uh, when do I need to change stuff? And when will things break down? Right? So, we're going to help you with all three of those today. Now, before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of perspective now in the last century these are the top 10 things and you know you may you may make your own list but i'm pretty sure it'll fall in we built uh, rockets We've, we went to the moon we invented nuclear power we invented the personal computer television antibiotics uh, obviously the internet came into being radios and cars lots and lots of exciting stuff right in various fields However, if you look at the boiler room, fundamentally since uh, James Watt invented the steam engine, it's relatively remained the same. You got fire, you got, uh, you know, some kind of fluid circulating around it, absorbing heat, you got to expel the burnt gases, uh, there could be leaks, leaks of ga- hot gases, uh, leaks of water, leaks of fluid, uh, carbon monoxide leaks. Fundamentally. the the situation that hasn't changed a whole lot. But after today, you you will see that there's lots of opportunities to really, really disrupt in the space. So any mechanical room you walk into, uh, these are the three elements. The first and foremost, uh, you want to ensure that your mechanical room is operating safely. And you have a mix of three elements. Uh, You have some kind of fluid, could be a boiler fluid or water, you got electricity, and you got some kind of carbon-based uh, fuel, uh, could be natural gas, propane, oil. And uh, obviously, you have combusted gases, uh, ventilation. Uh, these three elements don't mix well together. So, as a result, a typical boiler room is obviously at risk from, you know, water leaks, carbon monoxide, and gas. And when you step back and think about it, certainly in the U.S. We burn a lot of fuel to heat our water, to heat our buildings, and you know, according to DOE estimates, we are burning fifty billion dollars more than what we should. So that, that's a lot of lot of energy that's being wasted. Now we have made some advancements, and there are condensing boilers and condensing water heaters. And obviously, for those of you in the field, you might be familiar with the condensate that comes out of these devices. It's slightly acidic, uh, you know, traces of sulfuric acid, carbonic acid, nitric acid, but has to be discharged. However, millions of gallons of it, we find, are being discharged uh, untreated. And as the popularity of these devices condensing boilers increase, uh, this problem gets exacerbated. Now, in terms of what happens, typically, you'll see this in the news. There is some kind of boiler explosion that's happening typically once a week. Uh, some explosion that happens either residentially or commercially. And then obviously lots of leaks from, you know, boilers and water heaters or storage tanks Uh, all pretty common sites. Uh, From the condensates perspective, which all these condensing boilers and water heaters produce, if they are not treated and if their pH is not utilized, they end up corroding uh, drains. And obviously, you know, certainly the EPA is what because we are dumping millions of gallons Uh, in the environment, and we could have an environmental risk. So, again, taking a step back, if you look at, at least certainly in America, uh, carbon monoxide results in in the number one emergency room visits. Uh, The U.S. averages about one boiler explosion a week, and in terms of fluid leaks, at least three shutdowns per year. Obviously, this causes significant uh, you know risk to your customers and to yourself as, as a business so how are we addressing this today so we got you know water heaters or boilers got a bunch of isolated gauges and when something goes wrong if, if it leaks we call the technician He would come there run a bunch of tests uh, you know fix certain problems and mostly we are in this break fix mode Now, we do have some kind of alarms in building, might be a gas alarm or a smoke alarm, uh, or even a water leak alarm. Typically, in the majority of the buildings, they produce an audible alarm, which you can hear only if you happen to be walking around your mechanical room. So it's a very, very small percentage of mechanical rooms that are wired, and even if it's wired, it it might be some kind of building management system, and it doesn't really push those alerts uh, to your phone. We have what I call information and control isolation. So we have a bunch of static uh, gauges that don't really tell us what's going on or or what's going to happen. And the, the thinking is pretty simple. If we don't measure it, and we don't measure it actively, we can't manage it. As a result, we are terribly inefficient. So productivity is poor. We waste time, money, and resources. And in terms of safety, you know, this is a big portion of our mechanical rooms, you know, gas leaks, carbon monoxide leaks. They are typically devices by themselves. They do not hook up to your water heater or boiler, right? Nor do they communicate to the external world. There is no remote access. In terms of neutralization, we have these very passive devices. Uh, Majority that we found Uh, Do not treat condensate properly. Uh, There are lots of fundamental design flaws. Uh, One of the most common ones is when condensate comes from a boiler, it tends to be uh, warmer. And so what happens is the hot condensate typically skims the stop without even going through the neutralizing media and then exits without being treated. That's a common problem. A lot of these media, when they get used up, the device does not report back that media needs to be replaced. So, again, the condensate exists the the, the uh, mechanical room without being treated. So anyway, to summarize this, you know, con we find mechanical rooms, boiler rooms, are prone to gas leaks, water leaks, carbon monoxide leaks. Uh, equipment runs inefficiently and condensate uh, is obviously a, a silent destroyer. So we have a big problem on our hands. So here at Intel Hot, you know, we, we think outside the box, and since we ourselves make a condensing boiler uh, and a water heater, we asked ourselves, you know, we got to do something about this. We can put our own devices and uh, have them, uh, you know, pollute the environment and have them be at risk. So we started with a very simplistic idea. What if we took a bunch of sensors, you know, gas sensor, carbon monoxide? What if we combined them? And then what if we added couple more sensors to it. Let's say we add a couple temperature sensors, which can sense either air temperature or uh, boiler return and and boiler supply temperature. Maybe water in and water out temperature. Uh, Maybe we add a non-intrusive flow meter to this. So we got data from these devices coming into this. Now. With all the data coming in, what if we add some kind of learning in uh, machine learning and intelligence to it? What would happen? Well, we can we can do something useful with it. So the most common uh, uh, thinking is: Well, if something goes wrong, I should at least be able to turn off gas and water, maybe maybe even power. So all right, we'll add some valve actuation to this yet-to-be-determined device. And while we add actuation, why not we add some interlocks? So if there is a gas leak, which typically a mechanical room is prone to, or carbon monoxide, we have to turn off the equipment that's causing it. So let's connect it to uh, the boiler through an interlock. If we did all that, it's still not good enough, is it? Because we have to get that information uh, to us. And as you can see, that's uh, that's a picture of my cell phone, and apparently I have 11,900 emails that I haven't read. So if you ignore that, uh, we we have a, a way of taking all the data from this device and pushing it to your cell phone. And uh, you know there are lots of ways to do it. A common method is called MQTT, uh, where the device will collect a little bit of data, even do some. Inside processing and then push it to the cloud. We did all this and we came up with a device that looked like a little robot. In fact, we loved it so much, we called it the Telebot. And here's what the Telebot does the Telebot is able to measure temperatures. It can, uh, you know, it can sense leaks uh, in a room. Could be glycol leaks, water leaks, uh, condensate leaks. It could sniff for uh, gas leaks, carbon monoxide, and you could even connect a flow rate, uh, a flow sensor to it, and it could measure flows. And you could connect uh, temperature sensors and measure inlet and outlet temperatures. So right off the bat, let me share with you, while you don't have to use this as a condensate device, here is how it fundamentally treats condensate. The condensate from any device, should you have one, comes in at the bottom, it rises up, goes to the neutralizing media, and then it's forced to go down. And then we measure the treated condensate using a pH sensor all actively. So fundamentally we know the, the condensate is going to the media and we double check it uh, towards the end. So that works great. And in terms of the other sensors, you know, I talked about carbon monoxide. Uh, all those sensor connections are lined up on one side and uh, there are simple clips that come with this unit and you, you clip it and it takes less than 15 minutes and what you would do is you would attach these temperature sensors to your boiler or water heater. If it's your boiler, it could be supply and return. If it's your water heater, it could be watered in and watered out. Uh, we even have a auxiliary temperature sensor that you can use to measure air. And something wonderful happens when you connect these sensors, and I'll talk about that in, in just a little uh, minute. Uh, what I will tell you is the telebot has gotten uh, smart enough that by monitoring the uh, perturbations in temperatures and flow, we are able to take that data and then Convert the data into many, many useful things. Uh, And I'll I'll share with you in just a second. The way, again, we talked about this should you have a a leak, here is how you would connect this device to turn off your gas or water. Um, Comes with a clamp on flow sensor so you can measure flow. So, first off, right off the bat, from a safety perspective, you are covered because you're measuring gas, water. Uh, leaks, and you have the ability to actually turn off the device or even turn off water, power, and gas. In terms of the environment, you're measuring the condensate, so you're always in control. And the device itself, if you look on the right-hand side, you see where it says, media run out. So, the device is sort of learning how much condensate is flowing through the unit and when will the media run out, and it's going to send you a little ping saying, uh, hey John, uh, look, your boiler is running, you know, three hours a day and you better change the media in, in the next six months. So that, that's pretty useful information, right? Now, all this information is obviously ported to your phone and you can uh, get these alerts. Uh, you can even monitor certain parameters and even remotely turn off equipment if needed. Now, Look closely on the screenshot on the right-hand side, where it says Boiler Room Smartified. It's got a couple temperatures and flow rates. And beneath that, you see three little icons. The first one is called the Ideas icon. The second one is called Usage. And the third one is called Service. So let me talk to you a little bit more about what the Usage uh, icon is. Usage pretty much tells you what's happening in the building. Here's historical information about temperatures. Here's what the flow looks like. Uh, here is what the estimated energy is based on what this building has consumed. Now, this data is very, very useful because your customer could right away see based on data and facts how much energy are they using? Is their current equipment sized appropriately? Is it oversized? Or is it undersized uh, they could even see what days of the week or the month uh, is my building most active lots of very very useful information uh, that you can use to to understand your own business today you could set up uh, what I call ifttt if this then that it's very very simplistic if i have a gas leak should i turn the water heater off if I have a water leak, should I turn the water off? You've got all this flexibility b- built into the app, and this little device, which uh, which is connected to your you know water heater or boiler, will do that for you. And then you can set uh, things like temperature ranges and flow ranges, and then have the device send you an alert in case any of these parameters go uh, go out of whack. All this is great, right? But I I think this is I call this sort of a faster pigeon strategy. All we have done up to this point is get the information that's already there and we have made it faster and it's accessible to, your, to you on your phone. Nothing more than a faster pigeon. The pigeon now has taken, uh, you know, has gone to the speed of uh, a, a supersonic jet. That's pretty much it. Now, here, is where things start getting interesting. This is the stuff that's really, really exciting. So Remember the sensors we talked about earlier? The temperature sensors and the flow sensors, uh, even carbon monoxide sensors. Now, the system is capable of observing and monitoring all those temperatures. It is connected to the internet, so it knows outdoor air temperature. It, uh, it looks at historical information, And can know what a typical groundwater temperature is. So what it does, uh, and on this screen, when you install this, you would, we have a couple choices. You would say, is it a boiler system? Is it a tank system? Or is it a tankless? And then you, you put in these parameters, and then based on these, uh, the, the information that the sensor collects, it, it learns the behavior. The behavior is classified as what is normal and what is not and this is where things get very interesting and we start to get into the world of AI and I'm sure many of you have heard the word AI uh, and lots of lots of different terminologies so I thought I would take a crack at uh, you know sort of defining it and again this is a field that's rapidly changing so these definitions are not exactly set in stone but AI in a very broad perspective, you know, the desire for human beings, certainly for my wife, is for me to think. Certainly the machines should think, right? So the desire is, let's enable computers to think like how human beings think. So that's AI. Now, machine learning, which is a subset of AI, one portion, uh, really involves a lot of statistical tools. So the tools like I shared with you before, I could look at what is the flow rate in my building and is it most often on a on a Monday versus Sunday? Uh, should, should I turn on certain pumps based on that? Uh, that's loosely defined as machine learning. Typically you'll use a lot of statistical tools, uh, you know, one or two dimensional data for that. Now, there is something called deep learning. And this is a field that started in the in the late 90s uh, when computers started to get a little bit more powerful. And machine learning is where, you know, as human beings, we can very easily interpret two or three variables, right? You know, if gas prices go up, uh, my bank account is going to go down. If gas prices go up and my furniture looks bad and, you know, my wife is upset, maybe i got to get new furniture. bank account is going to go down, right? Three things. Now, in the machine world, you might have, or even in the business world, you might have 10 or even 15 parameters. You could have air temperature, you could have currency fluctuation, you could have uh, occupancy rates, uh, you could have, uh, you know, a football game that's happening. All these parameters in one way, shape or form affect your mechanical room and your business and how we uh, supply energy uh, to buildings. Now, when we take all these parameters and we mesh them all together, uh, we can use what's called neural network, multi-layer neural network, and learn the correlations uh, between these various parameters. So that's called deep learning. Now there is also data science. Data science might float between uh, deep learning and machine learning, uh, typically, uh, or sorry, deep learning and AI. Typically data science is how? what are the different ways I can visualize and understand the data. So that's a pretty high level view of what is AI. And now I'm gonna share with you how AI, I'll give you a couple examples, how AI is being used in the boiler room. Now remember that little ideas icon that I sh- shared with you? Uh, in fact, for those of you on the phone, you could go to the App Store today and uh, you can download uh, our app. It's called Telibot, T-E-L-L-I-B-O-T. And you can download it. You can sign up. And we have a demo unit there. And you can play around with it. Uh, in fact, I would encourage you to do so to explore the possibilities. That little ideas icon is where magic happens. For example, based on the, the temperature sensors and based on observing the inflections, and based on what the boiler is doing, the unit would actually learn, if I had about a thousand cycles, and if this were a boiler, and I had about 30 seconds of pre-purge, that I'm evacuating the combustion chamber, then I fired really hard for about 15 minutes, and then I post-purged for about 30 seconds, and if the air temperature happened to be cold, it is a, it is a right condition to have a warped electrode. Right? I'm sure you all know what, what a warped electrode is. Uh, when you heat and cool an electrode and you do it in rapid succession and you do it at the right temperatures, uh, it can result in the electrodes, you know, fraying. But the only time we would know about it is when your boiler does not fire. Right? Now, if we applied AI to this problem, we supplied it with all kinds of information on, here are the cycles, here are the purge times, here's the temperature, here's the air temperature, here's how long I fired. And then we can see the data on the conditions under which we observed the electro to a warp. It can crunch this data and then start making predictions on what other conditions can you have warp electrode. So that's one example of how we are using AI uh, in the boiler room. Here's another example. This pertains more to uh, water heaters. For example, you know the way water is consumed; uh, it's consumed in, in 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 a very transient form. Uh, if you have a hundred-room hotel, you might have very low consumption rates in the morning. It might then go up to a peak floor, rate, and then it might uh, come down. And depending on how your equipment is sized, you might have a lot of firing cycles. Now, the, in an ideal world you want your equipment to sort of follow the load, right? Which means you need to have a boiler or a water heater with high modulation rates. Now, whatever system you have, the AI in in the telebot can look at the firing cycles correlated with the minimum and maximum flow rate, figure out how long is the duration between uh, peak flow to maximum flow. Does it happen on a Sunday versus a Monday? Is it consistent month over month? Is there any relation to groundwater temperature? It can do all this and it can present you something called, hey look, I have analyzed this data and I think if you had equipment with greater modulation, say 50 to one, you potentially stand to save $7,500 per month. Now, wouldn't this information be very, very useful for your customer? You could walk in the door and say, "Look, we have measured certain parameters. We've observed it. Uh, I've crunched the numbers, and based on that, I can very reliably tell you if you put in this type of equipment, you are actually going to save, uh, you know, $7,500 a month. So you you remove the guesswork, and you're able to size things properly, uh, as well as achieve a very high uh, comfort level for your customer." Uh, and a very high economic value proposition. So that's what AI can do for you. And there are many other examples. I thought for purposes of today, we would start with uh, just two. And in terms of how we can apply this technology, it can be applied to pretty much any HVAC equipment, water heaters, boilers, furnaces, uh, rooftop units. And really, there is no limit uh to what we can do with this. Now here is a quick look at value proposition. Obviously, you know uh, there is life and catastrophe uh, involved, so the, the significant uh, uh, you know savings or um, priceless, should I say there? But even if you had 50 installations with 100 boilers, and you assumed a 10% failure rate, the amount of money you spend uh, on a device like a telebot, uh, you get a, a return of almost 14x. Significant value proposition compared to the investment you have to make so in conclusion what we are able to do with this type of technology is monitor fleets of properties uh, you can keep your boiler room safe uh, obviously the most exciting thing is being able to predict when things would happen uh, so you can prevent downtime and obviously you can cut uh, operational cost with whatever equipment you have today so, with that, we will turn it over for questions.
0: That is great. Thank you so much for the presentation. Uh, and yeah, as Sri said, anyone um, who wants to to ask any questions, um, please type them in. Um, I'll get them here and then uh, we can we can put those questions to Sri. Um, yeah, really interesting. I mean, I've learned a hell of a lot. I mean, I obviously, what we cover in the research we do is more on the HVAC side, building management systems, but it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, how we are in "quote unquote," you know, smartifying different types of equipment in building, and um, I thought it was, uh, you know, it's it's really pertinent, I think, to to how um, how building technology is progressing. Um, one of the things that I was thinking of, you know, from from looking as as we do about Internet of Things in buildings, like how can you how could you integrate this data? that we, you know, let's say if somebody installed some of your equipment, how could they integrate that with with other types of, let's say, a building management system?
1: That That's a great question. So the, the whole idea was we wanted this information to sort of come out of the mechanical room and be accessible to people. We can certainly port this over to traditional BMS uh, but the path we have taken really is let's push all this data to the cloud and you know ai does require significant computing power which is available in the cloud and uh, uh the certainly the approach uh we are taking is uh, we we want to have information uh, very easily accessible uh, to people so uh, we are sort of viewing bms in a sense as a legacy system and IoT and uh, looking at it on the cloud as the future.
0: Right. So, does your so the, there's some kind of cloud application that people can log into to view the data from their from their IntelliBot? Is that is that right?
1: That that is correct. So you could go to the Apple Store today, and you can actually download the IntelliBot app. And we have a demo unit in there, and you could you could. Play around with the unit and see all the things that this unit does. You could set up temperature ranges. Uh, you could look at the, the flow ranges. Uh, it'll even make predictions on, you know, based on whatever data it's collected, uh, how can you optimize your existing equipment? And you get all of that in the, in the, in the palm of your hand.
0: Okay, great. And then um, uh, maybe that's something for the future, but I was just thinking if there was an API then uh you know people could get hold of that data and then um use it for you know to ba- maybe put it together with with other information about the building but but um yeah i mean it's it's all just being able to as you said um being able to measure what's going on in the building if we can't measure it then we we don't really know what's going on do we so so yeah that's um that's i think is is the the most important important point um, some questions have come in, Um One here, how many conditions has the AI been trained to identify and what is the performance of the AI? Uh, and by that, they mean false positives versus true positives, recall, et cetera.
1: Great question. So we have started out with a very, very, uh, a very basic list. So if you are in your mechanical room, today you think about, all the stuff that uh, breaks down, uh, typically breaks down without warning, you know, blowers, gas valves, uh, electrodes, uh, uh, you know, uh, fouling, uh, <clears throat> cavitation, so all the basic conditions that you see today, uh, failure to ignite, for example, uh, uh, loss, potential loss of uh, uh, supply, you're able to detect all the very, very basic conditions. and the way we are able to, uh, uh, do it is not upon failure. We are able to detect and sort of forecast when things would happen. So as in, uh, in the case of the electrode, uh, if you observe conditions, uh, where the unit is behaving in a certain way, as behaving mostly during the day and uh, depending on temperatures, we would actually recommend that you inspect the electrode even before the electrode is warped. Or maybe it started to warp, and, but it's not gotten to the stage where your unit would be completely shut down. So all the typical conditions you see in a boiler room is what we're working on today.
0: Okay. Has, is there any example of, you know, for, let's say, is it 90% that you could predict a, uh, you know, failure with an electrode, for example? Something like that? Or, or is it, or is it, have you been able to measure that?
1: We are in the process. There are some items we are really, really good at: uh, electrode uh, bearing life, uh, uh, failure to ignite, uh, number of firing cycles. Uh, th- those are the items that we are really, really good at.
0: Yeah, and I guess of course. Oh,
1: there are, there are, yeah.
0: No, I was just going to say because, of course, as as you collect more data, then you're improving. Exactly. You're improving the algorithm, right?
1: Uh, exactly. Yeah. So we are uh, we are as as about gets rolled out and is adopted, uh, it it uh, it collects you know obviously data and, and we all the other the more data we collect, uh, the more de- uh, uh, uh inferences we are able to make.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Some some loads of questions coming for you, so um, I'll just get through them now. Uh, a guy here from the Middle East. He's asking how uh, could he access the product? Are you are you shipping? these products worldwide
1: but not yet but we have plans to do so Uh, I would encourage him to uh, send us an email Uh, it's just sales at IntelliHot.com and we would receive all those enquiries there and respond
0: okay great Uh, another good question here uh, about um, ROI examples Uh, do you have any um, any good examples of clients where they've they've got payback from this I know um, you mentioned to me once about uh, hotels. This is something that they're particularly interested in, right? Because uh, they heat a lot, have to heat and use a lot of water.
1: Yes. So, yes, uh, we have crunched a lot of data from hotels. And what we see typically in hotels is uh, the example I shared with you. Uh, let me see if I can get to it. Uh, on our website, we have numerous case studies. Now, the history of AI. Now, on the on the on our own water heaters that we build and sell today, we have a lot of this this uh, algorithms and technology implemented. So we are able to even within within our own units talk about how how much energy is being saved and what's going to happen to our own component life. And essentially, what we did is we took a lot of that stuff and then put it in a device. That can now be applied to anybody's water heater or boiler. So the typical things we see in hotels, uh, we we see a lot of mismatch between the size of the equipment and what the hotel actually needs. And as a result, they would uh, essentially we call them you know short cycle. They would sort of cycle themselves to death, and also have excessive component wear from that. And we have gone into hotels where we have cut their operational costs from, you know, $20,000 down to $5,000 a month. Uh, On our website, we have a bunch of case studies. Uh, I encourage you to look at that. Uh, The one particular one is the hotel uh, in San Francisco right outside the airport. And we were able to uh, have a 75% reduction in their costs.
0: The the cost of of heating water.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great
0: uh next question here uh, can it also work for chillers?
1: It could uh you know uh, energy is energy you're always moving it from one side to the other uh you uh, uh, you know you are taking a you know a compressor you have a condenser, you have an evaporator uh the the components themselves if it's not combustion uh you know you, you have motors and blowers uh, and bearings. So a lot of this stuff is is fairly applicable. Uh, What I can share with you is we already have a Telebot 2.0 in development. And uh, that will address uh, several other areas than just water heaters or boilers.
0: Yeah, so yeah, expanding it into into other areas. Right. A couple of questions here about the the app, Um, will it be available on Android at some point?
1: Uh, it is. It's already available on Android, so you could sure. download it on Android as well.
0: So if you go to the Play Store, you'll be able to find it there. And if you're trying to search for it on iTunes, it's Telebot, right? T-E-L-L-I-B-O-T. Correct. Right. Uh, here, another question. Um, can data from your systems be routed to edge control on-premise uh, without needing to go to the cloud? So I guess what they're asking, maybe it could be used just within within the premise, as it were, rather than if perhaps someone didn't want to use a cloud application, they just wanted to host it on their own server.
1: So I'm going to say a qualified yes. Anything is possible. Uh, however, you know the, the the whole thinking behind this is how can we get a lot of people to adopt it and how do we simplify uh, installation uh, so from a technical perspective yes I, I think we could do it uh, from from a perspective of should we do it uh, I'm not so sure
0: okay yeah fair enough um, can you also uh, suggest using one telebot per piece of equipment uh, that's a good question so um, you know. How does that work in the boiler room? Let's say, I don't know, not sorry, not being an expert in this, but you know, how many boilers might there be per boiler room and do you need, do you need to have more than one?
1: Uh, yes, that's a good question. Yeah, so Telebot, uh, you know, it comes in two different sizes. Uh, one is rated for units up to 300,000 BTUs. And we have a larger one that's rated up to 3 million BTUs. And we recommend one unit per boiler. So one telebot would uh, measure temperatures and flow rates of one particular unit, and it learns what's going on within that unit. And then you can have as many telebots as you want uh, in your mechanical room. Okay.
0: Yeah. The uh, next question. There, there are some facilities like uh, minimum or maximum prisons, uh, mecha- uh, mechanical rooms that do not allow Wi-Fi. Will there be an option for a land connection on future versions?
1: Uh, that's again a really good question we, we get asked that a lot uh, you know we are working with several big uh, we, we see the same problem in the hotel chains as well you know many of them are behind a firewall mm-hmm. uh, with the advent of iot uh, we expect things to change uh, we in fact offer a, a hotspot, so you don't have to use your building's wi-fi to get out uh and connect to the cloud, uh, but the 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 answer specific answer to your question is uh, no. We don't offer uh, a wired in connection. Uh, we did that back in 2011, but it, it's it you know increases uh, complexity of install and cost of install, so we have gone away from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, another question here is uh, machine learning running on the telebot device at the edge or is it running in the cloud uh, that's a good question because I know it's something that we've talked about with other mm-hmm. suppliers of this kind of you know about putting intelligence at the edge or having or having it in the cloud and you know obviously there's a trade off there um what's your what's your opinion on sort of edge processing
1: well so we, you know, we believe in the in the cloud, and because it is going to take a lot of to make anything meaningful, uh, it is going to take a lot of data. And so Telebot essentially, it does do some minimal crunching inside. Uh, certainly, you know, it does obviously look for gas leaks, water leaks, uh, how often has it happened, and, and things of that nature. Uh, however, predominantly, it pushes all, all the data to the cloud and we do all our processing, post-processing, of the data in the cloud.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where I, obviously, most of the, you can you can get more of the the computing that you need, right?
1: Uh, Cor- correct. Make it easier. And we do store some data inside, you know, for loss of connection or loss of power uh, or interruption. So the teleport does store adequate amounts of data and mm-hmm. it, it ping- the the cloud once in a while and pushes all the data over.
0: How often does the telebot actual actually sample the data? So you know, I mean, obviously it's trying to sense different things, and there how how often is it sending um, data back to the cloud?
1: The data back to the cloud. I want to say uh, that's a really good question. I'm, I might quote incorrectly, but if my memory serves me right, we do it once every three minutes. Uh, in terms of the actual sampling of data itself, we do that uh, almost thirty times a second, something like thirty hertz so temperatures and flow rates uh, for the flow side, we use an ultrasonic non intrusive flow meter so uh, that data is actually done a lot a lot faster temperatures we typically you know thirty hertz is quite fast enough uh, and we are able to capture. Uh, all the the uh, fidelity in terms of how quickly temperature changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's some real granularity there of uh, of data that you can get out of these uh, these uh, boilers.
1: Right, and it's it's a good question, and I want to share with you this. Um, you know, typically when you go to a heart surgeon, the surgeon looks at your ECG and they look at the inflections and and uh, you know the voltages there. And they could tell you you have a heart murmur or you know something wrong with your valve, so we have gotten really good at watching temperatures and inflections and in temperatures, and when did they turn and is is there any correlation with flow rate or firing rate and is there any correlation with lots of other things? so we do the same deduction uh, from inflections and in temperatures and correlating it with a bunch of other parameters mm-hmm.
0: uh someone here just wanted to clarify um uh- so can can the device be integrated uh through backnet to a BMS? Uh
1: uh-huh. so uh short answer no. We again, you know like for the reasons I shared with you earlier, mm-hmm. we want the device uh to obviously send all the messages uh in a timely fashion to uh, to whoever is uh, listed as contacts in the app. So right now we don't have any uh we don't offer backnet connectivity. And again, you know, with with IoT, our sense is we see BACnet, again, more of a legacy system.
0: Mm, Okay, interesting. And uh, next one here, flow and cycles on boilers, what is the best way to monitor flow meter and temperature sensors? Um, Will this tool troubleshoot inefficient installations? So that raises quite an interesting point because, of course, I imagine, like like a lot of systems, they, they, they might not be, boilers might not be commissioned properly. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, is this able to, to kind of sense that, those kind of inefficient installations?
1: Uh, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the things that the Telebot does extremely well. Uh, I'm trying to go to the slide. Uh, yeah. Well, the screenshot I have where you see the ideas tab. And you see the little summary there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's talked about, okay, this building has used uh, so many gallons and uh, here's the temperatures. Uh, and beneath that, where you see the recommendations, that is where the, after crunching the data, for example, if you notice that your boiler comes on more than, you know, say 20 times a, a, an hour and it stayed on, you know, barely a few minutes each, uh, you can look at the flow rates and the temperature rates and the firing and very easily correlate to uh, what is the peak load in your building and uh, how many times has your boiler cycled. And you could make deductions on whether the equipment is sized properly and operating properly. So we do that extremely well.
0: Mm-hmm. Great.
1: And uh, yeah, generally we find this is a very general statement. Generally we find, you know, equipment is. Terribly mismatched for the building. I mean, it, it, they are usually on the opposite end. Uh, if a building might need three million BTUs, usually we'll find six or even nine million BTUs.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a common problem, I think, isn't it? Uh, just want to get through these questions because uh, you've you've generated a lot of interest here next one here who owns the data Uh, does the customer still own the data um, in the cloud and also how do you address uh, any privacy concerns that that a customer might have
1: again that's a great great question as you know this field and the legislation behind all of this is evolving as we speak Uh, certainly our position is yes the customer owns the data and uh, you know we are following any uh, laws and rules that are that are written, and we have uh, when you look at our app uh, we have a pretty extensive here is what we do with the data and here here is what we're collecting uh, the data we even use uh, it is all normalized so we don 't share any uh, customer name or information uh, and the information is again pretty pretty much shared back with the customer in in terms of useful. Uh, uh, useful information, like you know, here's what you can do with your flows and temperatures, and uh, maybe your boilers not sized properly. But we are uh, again the 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 laws and regulations are evolving, I should say. So we are uh, we are staying uh, abreast of that and keeping ahead.
0: Mm. Yeah, obviously there's big changes in in Europe as well here about uh, data privacy um, that are coming up. Uh, and uh, a question here about using cellular um, to connect to the cloud. I think you did answer that, right, that you that there it can have a, an option to have a hotspot so you could connect with the cloud from a cellular, using a cellular connection. Is that right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, we offer a simple hotspot. So the telebot would, uh, you know, through Wi-Fi connect to the hotspot, and the hotspot would go over, you know, 4G or cellular connection. Uh,
0: and here, how many contacts can
1: receive
0: information alerts from the application?
1: Uh, Right now, so when you sign up for the app, you would sort of be the owner uh, of of that app, right? So you would get alerts by default. And then under the contacts page, currently we have limited it to two, and we can expand it to as many as you want. Uh, In fact, I'd love to have some feedback on, you know, from from people uh, on how many would be appropriate, right now we have limited it to 2. Okay.
0: Yeah, I guess that could be interesting to to see how many people, you know, in a facilities team might might actually be responsible at any one time for for that kind of uh, um, you know, uh, boiler issues. Uh, what is the accuracy of the readings and can it this be used to replace a typical BTU meter?
1: Great question. Uh, short answer: Yes, it is uh, very accurate. Um, what I mean by "very," which is not a not an engineering term, uh, it, <laughs> like I said, it measures temperature, you know, at least thirty times a second. So the fidelity of temperature is quite high, and I want to say, in terms of flow rate, it is of the same magnitude. So we have a complete picture of energy uh, that the boiler is. Putting out into into the into uh, into the room.
0: Mm-hmm. And and here, uh, are you monitoring cycles on other people's equipment to monitor inefficiency inefficiencies? So so my uh, so that's, that's kind of interesting because my understanding is the the telebot's like a standalone piece of equipment that you could connect to any boiler. But mm-hmm. I um, but I imagine but you, you also have your own um, equipment and does that kind of come Baked in, right? So you you get this information. You get the like the telebot as part of a of a boiler as well through through your company.
1: Correct for the correct for the water heaters. You know we build uh, tankless commercial tankless water heaters. Mm-hmm. For those, uh, pretty much this technology is baked in into our software. So if you go buy one of our products and go to the screen, uh, all our products are Wi-Fi enabled. So it automatically pushes all that information anyway into the cloud. Uh, And and if you are interested, we have another app called uh, uh, TeleZero. Uh, That's the app that we use to connect to our products, Uh, and it has a similar look and feel. Uh, But when you use the TeleBot, the robot, uh, that can go behind anybody's boiler or water heater. We can count cycles, temperature rates, uh, flow rates, uh, crunch all that, and give you meaningful information, meaningful data.
0: And you, I think you had that slide, didn't you, that showed how you can uh, connect it to a boiler?
1: Right. I could go back to it, yeah.
0: Yeah, that one. There you go. Right. Uh, based on the AI data determining that the boiler is overrunning, will it adjust for maximum efficiency or just provide data, and you then have to manually adjust the system? How does, how does that work?
1: Well, you know, that would be wonderful, right, if... Uh, yeah,
0: uh, if it was so an with, autonomous yeah. That's
1: right. Not, not quite. So right. within, our, yeah, within our units, we do it, because we have complete control. But when you apply the telebot to an existing, you know, a legacy boiler or water heater, uh, it will provide you the data, but, uh, you know, you will have to go and manually either turn down the unit or lower temperatures, uh, uh, and obviously you'll have to do it yourself. But we will equip you with the data, uh, and uh, you know, uh, enable you to take uh, intelligent decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as, as we've, we've said, and with all the stuff we cover about IoT, it's in this instance, it's, it's about about measuring, right? It's about about getting that data and then being able to make informed decisions um, based on right. based on that. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, one here that I, I think you you did answer, but I guess someone wants some clarification. Um, uh, how what was the area of coverage for one unit? Um, and is it a fixed unit? Well,
1: could you repeat the question uh, um, one more time?
0: I think just about um, one IntelliBot unit. Like how how what what is the coverage of that? Um, in terms of you know sure. how, how many might somebody need for for a, a boiler room with with a few boilers
1: oh sure sure so uh, we make the telebots you know again you don't have to use it to treat condensate you know you can use it with a condensing or a non condensing boiler uh, it, it won't matter uh, but if you are using it with a condensing boiler it comes in two capacities one rated up to 300,000 BTU uh, that would roughly be uh, in terms of the kilowatts I want to say 80 85 kilowatts and then the other one is rated at 3 million BTUs, uh, which would be, I, I want to say, maybe 450 kilowatts. I could be off there, but some, somewhere around that, in that region. And then you would want to use one telebot per uh, unit. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the, regarding the previous question, there mm-hmm. is some controllability we do offer. Uh, the telebot does come with interlocks, so you could wire the telebots interlock to your existing boilers. So should you have a problem, you can prevent your boiler from, from firing. And then we also provide uh, gas valves and water valves. So you could also turn off uh, the gas supply and water supply to the building.
0: Mm. Okay, yeah, excellent stuff. I'm I'm actually, it's a shame we've we've kind of running we've come to the end um, and there were a couple more questions so I think best thing to do Sri um, if people have questions for you how can they how how can they get those answered can they how can they contact you
1: uh, sure uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to you know, uh, get emails and uh, my email is quite simple it's sri at intelahad.com.
0: Great, okay. So, So. yeah, and, and obviously I guess they can go to the website, IntelliHot.com and, and get information on you guys there as well. Um, Absolutely. From my, from my side here, we had a question about accessing the slides. Yes, uh, I'm going to, this has been recorded and we're, I'm going to put up the slides and the recording. It's going to be on YouTube. Uh, it's also going to be on our website uh, and also on SoundCloud and um, and iTunes if you just want to listen to the audio. So uh, that's going to be up later. So I encourage you to go to our website uh, and you'll be able to see that tomorrow. You'll be able to get all the information about what we discussed today. Uh, And then just a couple of other things. wanted to say obviously thank you to our sponsor, Project Haystack. If you guys are interested in um, IoT data, I suggest you definitely go and check out what they're doing, the open source project. Um, and they're really trying to work with uh, and streamline um, all this data, for example, that we're collecting through things like Telebot. Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's about it from, from us. And just really to say, obviously, to Sri as well, thank you for taking the time today. Really appreciate um, you uh, telling us about what you're doing and, you know, um, and, and really some interesting, concrete examples of, of, of how it's working.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Great yeah. questions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks for the great questions. See you again next month. Thanks a lot. Bye.